Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Forum is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Forum believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Forum is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first, and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. I've seen quite a few videos on social media recently of young women soliciting help in finding the perfect dress for graduation. Might I suggest you add Macy's to your list? They have lots of options for dresses that will transition perfectly from under your gown to that incredible dinner with family after the ceremony. Check out options from brands like On 34th, Michael Kors, DKNY, and many more. Shop at Macy's.com or in-store. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org ourblood to make an appointment now. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Support for today's podcast comes from Freedom at the Mat. I invite you to join me in celebrating the launch of Freedom at the Met's YouTube channel. Designed to offer all women accessible wellness, self-care, and me-time in bite-sized chunks. A full class of reading, intention setting, journal prompts, and yoga asana are less than 30 minutes. And mindfulness classes without yoga asana, the movement piece, are less than 5 minutes. I know how pressed we can all be for time, which is why I love the fact that the channel offers different options. I was able to take one of the full classes recently, 
and appreciated Olivia's soothing voice, the fact that it was centered around a particular theme, and that the movements were not intimidating for me as a beginner. If you're looking for new ways to add mindfulness and me time into your schedule, I definitely encourage you to check it out. Search for Freedom at the Mat on YouTube or visit the link in our show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 159. Support for today's podcast also comes from StoryWorth. If you're still on the hunt for the perfect Father's Day gift for dad this year, I might have just the answer for you. I want to introduce you to StoryWorth. StoryWorth is a fun and meaningful way to engage with family, especially with relatives you might not get to see often. This online service helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. Here's how it works. Every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts, questions you never thought to ask them like, what have been some of your life's greatest surprises? Or, what's one of the riskiest things you've ever done? You can even add your own questions to give it an extra personal touch. After one year, StoryWorth will compile every answered question and photo you choose to include in a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. I'm the kid in the family that always wants to dig through old pictures and hear stories about the people in the pictures when I visit home. So this feels like it'll be a great gift for us to have as a family. And I'm really looking forward to hearing how my dad will answer the questions. If you think that this is something your family would appreciate as well, try it with me. Get started on this perfect gift right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com TBG and you'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com TBG for $10 off. Now let's dive into the episode. Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 159 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Clearly, the podcast has turned into an insecure breakdown podcast recently, but I can't help it, y'all. They're giving us so much good stuff to talk about. So Dr. Oriowo is back with us this week to chat about everything we saw in this week's episode. As a reminder... Dr. Donna Oriowo is an author, international speaker, and certified sex and relationship therapist in the Washington, D.C. metro area. The owner of Anod Wright, Dr. Oriowo specializes in working with Black women on issues related to colorism and texturism and its impact on mental and sexual health. She's also the author of Cocoa Butter and Hair Grease, a self-love journey through hair and skin. This week, 
She and I chatted about what's happening with Issa and Lawrence, the meetup between Molly and Issa, Molly finally going back to therapy, and our predictions for the season finale next week. This episode does contain spoilers, so if you haven't watched the episode yet, you might want to save it until you have. Here's our conversation. All right, we are back again, sooner than expected. We thought we might have a week off, but clearly, the writers... (laughs) They was not playing with us. Go carry Washington. Right? How is it possible that each week gets better than the last one? I don't know. I feel like they just talk all to each other and all that black lovely energy in one room just converges wow to the most amazing episodes yes yes so i don't know i need to kind of go back and read to see what other things i I feel like maybe carrie had also directed some episodes of scandal i'm not sure um but definitely she did a beautiful job with this episode and if this was her first time, listen, wow. listen, if I go back in that research and find out this was her first foray into directing like Natasha was last week, I mean, clearly they are setting the bar high. A little, I'm just like, you know, one day I'd like to maybe get into that, but like, you know, they don't need to set it so high that I can't achieve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just gonna start with some YouTube videos. We go yeah, just, you know, start small. Start right. Start in our own bandwidth. <laughs> so we see the scene open up. Now tell me if I was alone in thinking that this was a dream sequence. You are not alone. Bunch of people said they thought it was a dream sequence. I remember sitting there hoping that it was. I was like, please be a dream. Please be a dream. Please be a dream. <laughs> right. So from the bat, they totally like nixed all of our predictions from last week because we all thought this was a closure getting together. We did not mm-hmm. think we would see them back together. And they let us know very early on that we were wrong. Yep. I'm just like, well. Okay, we was wrong. <laughs> yeah, so and I don't it, even know how long it has been. Probably not very long since we last saw Lawrence and Issa together. Um, and so now it is basically like they are spending tons of their free time together. Mm-hmm. But I, what I liked that I saw, like despite the fact that, you know, I am not this team. I am not. Mm. <laughs> You're not team Lawrence, Issa? Not really. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm team Issa. Uh-huh. <laughs> but... um. What I really did enjoy seeing is that they also had the computer side by side and they were mm. both working mm-hmm. that they can, it, sound, it, it looked like they finally found this space where they are able to sort of be in space with one another, enjoy each other, joke with each other, love on each other, and at the same time, work with each other. Mm-hmm. And yes. that was that was just a beautiful love sequence. And I didn't know how much I needed it until I got it. Yeah, it felt like a perfect continuation, even though we didn't expect it. It felt like a very perfect continuation of last week's episode. Yeah, I mean, it made it so I couldn't even be mad. Yeah, I couldn't either. I couldn't either. I was like, oh, okay, okay. I see where y'all are trying to go with this. Yeah, but they definitely... (laughs) They have clearly really just fallen into this very comfortable space with one another, right? It it really does feel like they kind of picked up where they left off. And even more than that, just like they're both able to show up in a way that maybe they had not been able to show up previously. So like just, you know, she's herself. She's the she's the the improvements that she's been able to make since they broke up. The the same inspiration, the same love, the drive, the passion, all of that. Now Lawrence gets to experience it 
in a completely different way than where they were before. And she also gets to experience him differently because he has drive and purpose and desire in the work that he is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they are in, like we said last week, very different places. Yeah. So we do see, though, kind of towards the end of this scene, this very awkward kind of, you know, a callback <laughs> to Issa's more awkward uh, moments, this very awkward conversation the about moments. like, what, what's going on here? What are we, you know, then she kind of throws Condola into the mix, like, okay, what's up with that? So what were your thoughts like, about that? I like that she was asking the questions. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we can very easily move into assumptions with somebody because we've been sleeping together or hanging out together that oh, it must mean that we are both exclusive with one another as opposed to having the outright conversation and letting it be awkward Mm -hmm. and be in that space just so that you know exactly where it is that you stand. Because we can't move, we can't continue to move into a space where we make assumptions about our standing in someone's life and how it is that they are interacting with others based on their interaction with us. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that they didn't really have an answer, right? Like it didn't feel like they really came to a resolution about what mm-hmm. they were doing, but it did feel good that they at least put it on the table so that they both know they are thinking about what's happening here, even if we don't have an answer exactly. for what to call this right now. Exactly. And on top of that, I mean, how how you going to label it? He is a rice a San Francisco <laughs> treat. <laughs> Yeah, so we see that a little later, but I think it also, now I'm still not totally sure about what's happening with Condola. I'm not quite giving up on my pregnancy prediction just yet, but we do hear him say, (laughs) everybody wants to be like, yeah, she pregnant, she gonna come next. It was like, was that her in the the preview for the last episode? Who even knows, right? But he does say, like, I talked to her and we're done. So that does kind of, you know, squash that prediction right now, but I'm not going to completely let it go just yet. I, I just, I'm just so in a space of love with this level of honesty. <laughs> you you're not worried about condolence no more. I, I ain't worried about nothing. I'm the one, she can be pregnant if she want to be pregnant. That's her prerogative. <laughs> now with them, they've been talking and that makes me feel warm and sort of gooey inside because mm-hmm. You know, like we've been talking consistently about communication and how the communication breakdown between Issa and Molly has just been, you know, how it's just been so like, oof, you know, like almost kind of greasy. But then it's look at this communication, that communication sequence does happen. And I'm just, you know, just watching this level of growth in Issa and how she communicates with others. And still being disappointed about how the communication ends up going with Molly, but being able to appreciate the way it goes everywhere else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, clearly still some work to do there. Oh, absolutely. Right. So the next scene we see, thank goodness, we see Molly is back in therapy. So Dr. Rhonda has cleared <sighs> a space on her schedule in her gorgeous office and Molly is back in therapy. Where she needed to be. Where we know she needed to be. And so you hear her talking about, you know, the continuing stress and drama related to Issa. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Rhonda really, I think, does a great job of kind of calling her out about the patterns that she's recognizing in Molly's relationships. So Mm -hmm. she says, you know, these people have all wronged you in your life. But does that mean really that there's no opportunity for reconciliation? So she asks her, 
do you want to be right or do you want to be in relationship? Let me tell you, that question about got on my nerves. <laughs> Did you feel a little way about that? I definitely felt a way about that. I was like, so what? I can't be in a relationship with somebody if 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 I if I know I'm right, if I have conviction. I don't, the question for me just feels, it kind of moves into a manipulative space of, this is how other people can approach you to be like, well, do you want to be with me or do you want to do this thing? Oh, see, I didn't see it that way. I just, I found it to be an irksome and bothersome question. I like her follow-up uh-huh. to it. I think that the follow-up, that's, that's where I was living mm. in that space of, okay, now what, like, what is your role in all of this? Like, can this thing be salvaged? That's a really great question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, see, and I that, thought that that, that was what she of, was getting to when she said, do you want to be right or do you want to be in relationship? Because it felt like Molly was really, really invested in holding on to like the ways that people have wronged her. And even though she may be right, like that they were wrong, but is there no opportunity for you to reconcile? And have we really looked at everything related to you, how you might need to look at your piece of what happened? get that. I think I'm more of a both and sort of person, not an either or, because I don't think it it needs to be either or. I think that she behaves like it's either or. Mm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. learning to expand that, yes, people can wrong you and you can still manage to have a relationship if you so choose. Yeah. For me, that would work better for me because I would never utter those words in the space of any client meeting, ever. (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah and I think you know kind of going back to I believe our first conversation about the season opener of season four talking about like the lack of self-awareness and that came became more evident Mm -hmm. I think in talking with her therapist right when she tried to you know gently nudge her towards some accountability she was like no it was her fault (laughs) and I would have loved to stay there and just be like I want to know what Dr. Rhonda would have said because I was just like come on Molly come on please Yeah, I, I definitely would have loved to see a little bit more of the therapy scene, but you know, maybe we'll see some more of that next week. Yeah, because it was after that. It was after that scene, right, that we see Issa in the restaurant. Yeah, so I think it's after that that we see Issa at home making the decision about whether she's going to call, right? Yes. Yeah. And was concerned, like, oh, if I say this thing, she's going to say I'm being selfish all over again. Mm-hmm. So noting that she sort of just let those things go, which she needed in that moment. I was like, all right, cool. Look at you. I see you. Mm-hmm. But just also just, I'm still upset that she called Molly. So wait, so let's take a moment here because what do you think motivated her to call? Do you think it was, you know, I miss my friend. I would like for us to get back together. Or do you think it was, oh, there are all these things I want to talk through related to Lawrence and Molly is the only one I can talk to. So more coming from a selfish place. Honestly, I think it may have been a combination Mm -hmm. because she is, you know, Molly is her oldest standing friend who also knows a lot of what went on with her and Lawrence that first time around. Right. So there is that piece. And I think that may have brought back a certain level of nostalgia of missing being able to just sort of hang out with her, talk to her, be in space and be in community with her. 
So I think that she, I think that she did miss Molly because mm-hmm. even though all this stuff has been happening, she did not bring it up. Yeah. So I was wondering, I initially, until I watched it a second time, I initially thought that we had only seen a little bit of the conversation and that they had gotten into the block party stuff in the middle. And then we just saw them leaving. But it's clear now that they, they really didn't talk about nothing. They didn't talk about anything. They were talking about, <laughs> you know, work and family and all that kind of stuff. But there really was no digging in to what actually was happening. And I thought, I was just like, ah, why not get this poop off your doorstep now? Yeah, and it it does kind of feel like um, not on track for how we've seen Issa behave the rest of the season, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've talked, even you and I have talked in previous episodes about how she is more assertive now and, you know, kind of asking for what she needs and wants in relationships. Mm -hmm. So I do think it was a bit off, although a throwback to how she typically operated in old seasons um, of like not speaking up. Isn't that the point though? To me, it was like absolutely the point because it's like, here it is in all these levels of her, in all these areas of her life, she has been able to progress with the work that she's doing, with the people that she's hanging out with and how she speaks to them. But the one person that she is not able to do that with is the one person who does not see her as a new and improved person, but sees her as the same person she's always been. Mm. Molly acts the way that she has been acting and that requires Issa to meet her where she is. Yeah. Because if we're talking about the new Issa and not old Issa, then we're also talking about then we would be talking about Molly calling Issa because Molly would also have to elevate herself to be where Issa is currently. Molly has always been in a space where Issa comes crawling, you know, crawling back to her, so to speak, to apologize or whatever. And I think that the other friends sort of required it of Issa even. Like, you know, a couple episodes ago, Kelly's telling Issa, call Molly. But Mm -hmm. who's giving Molly that same energy? Mm -hmm. Who's telling Molly that she needs to apologize? So Molly gets to continue to act in the way that she has been acting and the way that she has been behaving while no one is holding her accountable to the fact that she also does not see Issa. Yeah, and and why do you think Molly didn't just bring up, like, girl, are we going to talk about the elephant in the room? Because both of them fake. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know that I would describe it as fake. You would go with fake. I think they both missed each other, and they were trying to be in community with one another. But I also think that Molly had an expectation that Issa would bring it up with an apology. Mm, Right. Kind of going back to the scene we saw with her therapist, if she is kind of headstrong in this idea that it's Issa's fault, she expects that Issa will apologize. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was like the whole episode looked like like Molly waiting and Issa not giving. So I, I would say that maybe that's some growth. Issa didn't give it to her. But there, I think there's also a space of Issa being like, well, Molly only needs to cool down. And once she's cooled down, then we'll be able to move forward. Mm. But when I think about previous seasons, even when Molly did need to cool down, Issa still apologized, mm-hmm. be it with food or however else. But she definitely apologized. She talked about how she was wrong. But I'm wondering if the this new way of her trying to move into this space with her is trying to find a happy medium, so to speak, where she doesn't speak out 
but she also is not apologizing. So they sort of end up in this limbo. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because it does feel like those jokes you sometimes that are also real life. When you hear people talking about like when your mom would say something like mean to you and they don't apologize, they just say, you hungry? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Nice. So it, it did kind of feel like it was in that same vein of, you know, testing out the waters, right? Yeah. So if yeah. if we can kind of get through this brunch and like not, do any name calling or not yell at one another, we must be okay, not realizing that we still have not addressed the issues that made us fall out in the first place. Exactly. But when, I mean, honestly, I feel like this episode really showed how much work there is for Molly to do. And I know that everyone's, you know, people have, I feel like people have been in this space of Team Molly or Team Issa, and I'm Team both of them. I'm Team Fix It. <laughs> um, so I don't want nobody to get the wrong impression. But because um, I do remember, or um, my partner and I were discussing it, and we'd heard that some people were saying that um, Molly doesn't deserve to be with Andrew because of how she is. And I'm just like, wow. Mm. y'all tripping mm-hmm. um but beyond that piece just like I'm watching her be so far into Molly's world mm-hmm. that she's messing up her relationship with Andrew mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if she's saying it the same way that everybody else is saying it well and probably not there, right? she's like, this is work yeah probably the not relationship and it's work and I'm just like girl this is where we are the most easy going men <laughs> right right but I think she probably doesn't see it because going back to our continuous points about self-awareness it doesn't feel like she is able to really recognize when he is trying to gently like hold her accountable she doesn't take it like she will not meet him halfway you know so after we see the scene with her and Issa then we see her back at the apartment with Andrew and he's asking her how did it go um and then he also talks about like the thing with his brother so his brother is in town and has invited them to a basketball game and she's like uh you know why don't you just go right and have a, a boy's night and I'm just like wow this is this is the extending of an olive branch. This is, can we, can we reconcile? And honestly, it feels a little bit like I'm going to make you choose between the two of us right now. I'm saying you can have the both of us. You uh-huh. can go over there. You can chill. You can watch the game and all that other stuff. But then I'm like, then will he, like if y'all, if you and Andrew moved in together, is Andrew's brother never allowed in the house? So that's what I was going to ask you. What are your thoughts about like the survivability, if that's a word, of a relationship? <laughs> we gonna, it's a word today. It's a word now. It's we a word it. now. Thank you. <laughs> but, but the survivability of a relationship that is still very early and there are already signs of tension with the family. Honestly, I, I think that it would depend on who you were with. But with when we're talking Andrew specifically, he is very invested in his family. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. wants a relationship with his family. And I would even go so far to say that he would require anyone that he is with to also be in communion with his family, mm-hmm. which means that this may not work. And it may not work if, Specifically, if she is unwilling to even engage in the conversation, 
I'm not saying that she's wrong. I'm looking like, you know, racism is racism. I was about to say, see, that's the, that's the part that makes it unclear for me because it wasn't like he just, you know, made an off comment about like the shoes she was wearing or something. It was a racist comment that he made. And so yeah. I think even for Molly, that should be like a moment to pause and think about, is this something that I really want to continue with given that his brother has already made this kind of a comment? I think for me, I'm just like, when you, when you fix your mouth to say you're going to be in an interracial relationship, you better also be fixing your mouth to say you're going to have some tough conversations because you do not just marry or just be with your partner. You also move in with that family. And I'm just like, it is, it is very Eurocentric to think that the only person you're going to have to deal with is your partner. No. You're going to deal with that family. So if you're going to have to deal with that family, are you prepared to do so? Are you willing to have conversations as needed? Are you willing to figure out how y'all are both going to navigate it together? Because if the answer is no, then why are you in this relationship? Mm -hmm. Especially with somebody who sees their family as important as Andrew sees his family. So, I mean, it sort of gets me thinking about like, not just some of my clients, but some of my friends have spoken about these interrelation relationships that they are in. And it's like, okay, well, maybe we we can't spend, we can't spend Christmas with Aunt Susie because she does this nonsense and we're not going to do that every year, not at Christmas. We'll visit her for a lesser holiday. Okay, we got that mapped out. Okay, this one seems to behave when we are around this family as well. So let's get all of us together for this holiday. You're going to have to have those conversations. So for me, I'm like, if you're unwilling to me, what you just said is that you're also unwilling to be in an interracial relationship, mm-hmm. especially with somebody who values their family. Yeah, and, and I feel like that kind of conversation has been coming up a lot in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, given everything that's going on in the world right now, it does feel like people who are in interracial relationships are either continuing to have to have some of these very tough conversations or maybe having some of these very difficult conversations mm-hmm. for the first time. And for me, I'm just like, I'm like, how long y'all been together just not having a conversation for the first time? But okay. This is a conversation that should have been had up front. It, it's, a, it's a constant and ongoing conversation because racism is mundane. It is everlasting. It's the air we breathe. It's the, it's the ground we walk upon. It is the foundation of what the United States was built on. And then anti-Blackness everywhere else. So if we're going to, if you're going to be in a relationship with somebody that is not Black, even if you're in a relationship with somebody Black, you're still going to have to talk about internalized racism. Mm -hmm. Talk about how both of you have, you know, drank the Kool-Aid and what ways you're going to do, what are you going to do to get out of it? And if you're going to be with somebody outside of your race, you're going to have to have these conversations. Many of them should be upfront before you decide to be committed to one another. Are you willing to do this work? That's the question. And right now she's basically saying, I'm unwilling to speak with, you know, I'm unwilling to be in the space with your brother. But I don't know that that's going to be okay for Andrew. Mm -hmm. This might be where he draws the line. 
Yeah, yeah. And I do feel like this might be where we're starting to see some cracks um, because, you know, fast forwarding to a a few scenes ahead um, when we see her come back to the apartment with the food, right? So he, Mm. it sounds like the expectation was that they were having Indian food and she brought back, what did she bring back? Not Indian food. Not Indian food. I don't remember <laughs> if it was Thai food or something else. Um, but but she made a unilateral decision. <laughs> right. There was no communication with him about, you know, the fact that we're not having Indian food. And so it feels like there was a little bit of tension there. Um, but then we see Nathan and Issa walk in. So, you know, they can't kind yeah. of finish that conversation. But it does feel like we are starting to see some cracks there in the relationship between Andrew Oh, absolutely. And, and it's funny because I was just saying this the other day. I was just like, you know, it's kind of sad because I think that, I think that um, Andrew's actually really great for her mm-hmm. as somebody who is willing to sort of cater to her ego just a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, but beyond just, you know, catering to her ego, I think that he loves her. Like, or at the very least expresses love to her on a level that she has never experienced before. Yes. I agree. And I think that she does not necessarily see herself. I don't think that she is able to accept all the love that he has to give to her. So she's, you know, she's loving herself and loving him on, on a half a cup, but he's got a cup full of love to give her. She's overwhelmed by it. And it looks like she is building in separation between her and him. Well, I think that that's what she was kind of alluding to maybe in the scene we saw with her therapist, right? Like just the amount of work that's involved mm-hmm. um, because it does really require her to get so much out of her own head and to, to be less self-absorbed to really think about what to needs grow. to happen in this relationship. She's going to have to grow. <laughs> She's going to have to grow. And if she has to grow in this relationship, I think that it would have a positive effect on all her other relationships. Mm-hmm. The fact that, number one, he's one of the only people that calls her out. Mm-hmm. It's a gentle call, call or out. Her, or call her in, rather, with yeah. love. Very gently. Mm-hmm. Um, taking care for her ego. But I think, for me, one of the spaces that I was most concerned was when, um, you know, she comes back, was it, she comes back from therapy and he was saying, like, you know, how does it go? How did it go? And all this. And just like, well, I know you miss her. And then having to reiterate that I'm on your side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, that was not a good sign. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm on your side speaks to she doesn't feel you are. Mm-hmm. It speaks to I'm afraid to say what is really on my mind in a way that is clear and um, without sugarcoating, because you will interpret that as my being against you when I am always free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, we clearly see the level of defensiveness she often has when people try to tell her things. So clearly he has picked up on that in their relationship. Yeah, and I'm just like, I don't think that serves either one of them, because at some point he's going to get tired of walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm like, I'm hoping that it doesn't happen at the most inopportune of moments. Right. Well, we only have one more episode, so we got to see if it's going to blow up this season yeah. or are we going to have to wait until season five? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much our little hearts can take in the next 30 minutes. We'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, try it. So meanwhile... 
Issa is helping Nathan to move. So he is moving out of the apartment with Andrew and is moving into his own spot. And so earlier we saw this awkwardness with her again when she was telling Lawrence about who he was. And then she's like rehearsing like how she's going to greet Hey, pal. Uh, nope. Not Andrew. That sounds like a dog. Nathan. Because <laughs> <laughs> when she first said it, I was like, no, you can't say that. Is yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not going to go over well. Yeah, so, so I was like, okay, we're on the same page. You can't say that. Nope, don't say that. Yeah, yeah. You, despite all of our rehearsing, she is just as awkward when she gets to the door. Yo, I'm like, yo, this is painful. Painful. Yeah, so they're having a little bit of banter about, you know, the boxes and, you know, packing up and stuff like that. And then she tells him, oh, he says that they're going to buy the barbershop and then there's space if she needs kind of like office space in the back. And so he's being really flirtatious with her saying like, oh, I'll earn it kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the moment where she decides like, hey, so I don't know if I should tell you this, but Lawrence and I, you know, are kind of like trying to figure out. So what are your thoughts about whether she really needed to have that conversation with Andrew? I can call him Andrew. Nathan. Nathan. Nathan, Mr. Nathan. (laughs) I, I actually appreciated that she did have that conversation. I felt like that was her making a boundary clear that mm-hmm. right now we stay in friendship. We are not moving forward. We are not trying nothing. This is where I am. I appreciated that she was able to be honest in that moment and just say like, hey, nah, it's not going to happen that way. And I want to make sure that I'm being clear. But I think that some of that may have also been motivated in some ways um, by you know Molly calling her selfish. And mm. saying that she uses people. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to get this office space or whatever, I want to make sure that you understand exactly where we stand so that you can make an informed decision about how you would like to engage with me. Mm. Okay, so I can see your perspective there. I think, though, I am on the team of like, girl, did you need to share that already? <laughs> right? Because it is still really early, I feel like, with Lawrence. And super, so, super early. Yeah, and, and, so, and he might be moving to And he might now. be completely moving and y'all not even going to be able to figure it out. But but I do appreciate, like you said, like the idea of setting a boundary. So if she is in the space of feeling like, okay, even if I don't know what's happening with Lawrence, I know I want to explore it. So I want to be yeah. clear with you. But if she was doing it motivated by the idea that she thinks that she and Lawrence are like getting back together, that's where I feel a little hesitant about like her not it's keeping like, her you jumping the gun. Don't, don't <laughs> put that cop before the horse now. Right. Don't put the cop be- and you know, I'm team. I, I want, I would like to see this. I would like to see them together. Uh-huh. But, uh, <laughs> um, But at the same time, I was just like, you know what? Having the conversation and letting it be known like, hey, I'm actually exploring this thing with somebody else right now, which means I am not in the space to be able to explore with you. Um, Especially if, you know, the flirtatious banter and all that stuff that we saw was real. Mm -hmm. And being able to cut it off and say like, okay, you can't flirt with me Mm -hmm. because I'm flirting over there exclusively for now. Right, right. I think that... um, I think it speaks to a, a different, a, like a number one, a different, a level of maturity, mm-hmm. but also that both of these people are people that she has slept with and having that level of transparency might be necessary given that they are, you know, that she's in this position and that with Lauren, she has messed up. Mm-hmm. 
good point. That's a good point. You're right. You're right. So we see Nathan, you know, he tries to kind of take it on the chin, right? But then he gets a little petty. He like, oh, I thought you was done with that. And I hope he got his stuff together, right? And so... Yeah, the petty. <laughs> I was here for... I was like, if you, don't, if you don't call it out, my man. If you don't call it out, this is why I'm saying no, Lawrence. I hope he got it together. Right. So then she, of course, feels it feels like she needs to defend him. Right. And so then she says, well, at least he knows how to use his words and didn't basically just ghost me. And so then we see Nathan clearly feels like it's important for him to share that when he was gone for that time that we saw last season, Mm -hmm. um, it was because he had gone home and has been diagnosed with a bipolar disorder. Yeah. Yeah. So it so definitely feels like the whole conversation. Yeah, it, it it really felt like, you know, it was good for him to share that. I am though wondering why he didn't share it maybe before. Um, because it it was clear that they had been continuing to get close this season without it necessarily becoming a flirty thing, like just on a friendship level. Um, so I was wondering why he might not have shared that before this moment. You know, I have no idea why he wouldn't have shared it before this moment. But I'm happy that he did. Yes. I think that, you know, like this to me speaks to a level of comfort, of trust, of knowing that someone is going to hold space for you. Um, And it's like, maybe this is the first time that Issa actually confronted with him that you ghosted me Mm -hmm. on this level. Like I was hurt when you ghosted me. And yes, I'm back with this person, but he used his words and you didn't. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, okay. Well, let me tell you a little bit why about why I disappeared so that we can, at the very least, be on some level of equal footing here. Mm-hmm. So I like just like to be able to say it, to not have to wear the, the you know, the strong black man mask and be like, hey, I am a black man. I am still strong and I have this thing going on and I trust you with it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, wow. This yeah. to me speaks to where they have been able to, what they have been able to achieve together as far as him being able to be so open about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we saw Andrew, I think, allude to it a little bit last week with his conversation with Molly, but he didn't mm-hmm. like go into the full details. And so clearly we know now because Nathan has shared that he's been diagnosed with a bipolar disorder. And I also appreciated that he framed it in a way that he has kind of been thinking about like his support system, right? Because we mm-hmm. know that that is an important part for somebody who has been diagnosed with a, with a bipolar disorder is what your support system looks like. And so he's Absolutely. telling Issa, you know, you feel like somebody who is a good fit for me. You're somebody who I want to keep in my circle. Yeah, that's why I was like... <laughs> Dry your tears. We gonna be all right. <laughs> we gonna be all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that that felt like a very tender moment, and you know, I feel like she handled it really well because I think that that is a concern for people. You know, bipolar disorder feels like one of those diagnoses that feels a little scarier for people. Mm-hmm. And it's not always really easy to talk about. And so I feel like she did a good job of allowing him to have that moment and not reacting in a way that made him feel shame. Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, number one, it's hard to even diagnose it, Mm -hmm. right? Because it can Mm -hmm. look like one thing or another thing. But, and the way that it's talked about in media can often make it feel like, oh, no, like this person's bipolar. And it's just like, come on, like, can we stop that? Right. So being able to have this conversation, I'm hoping that they um, 
we'll talk about it more in subsequent episodes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just introducing it and introducing a black man with a mental health disorder who is also seeking help for it and creating a village around himself. Mm-hmm. I feel like even just that piece of it, lessons on lessons on lessons. Yes. Yes. And, and there's course. therapy for black men and therapy for black girls. So go and get you a therapist, y'all. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, if you want to hear a more thorough conversation about bipolar disorder, of course, Melissa Eiffel joined me on session. I forget the number, but I'll include it in the show notes, talking all about being diagnosed with a bipolar disorder and did a great job of breaking all of that down. So definitely check that episode out if you want a more thorough conversation there. Can I say, I'm always so impressed by your memories. (laughs) Well, I remember that we had the conversation. I just don't remember what number it was. Because <laughs> I just feel like you remember people's names. You be sometimes remember even about this session. And I'm just like, you know what? Go ahead. Now, you know, everything you talked about on your... Man, go ahead. Make me happy. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to take some Jameson tea. <laughs> So earlier you mentioned the idea of nostalgia as it weighed in in the conversation between Molly and Issa, right? Like they were Mm -hmm. talking about family and getting caught up and those kinds of things. And it feels like that thread of nostalgia also came into play when we see them having the game night or whatever it was, the dinner between what nostalgia you saw. All of them. I saw the most forced nostalgia of my life. Well, the, the nostalgia I thought was like them thinking about like Issa's first apartment and then playing the celebrity height game. Oh no. I, I was just like, you know what? This whole thing feels like we are still talking around the thing that I feel that we need to talk about. And it just felt awkward. Really? So see, to me, it didn't feel awkward until we saw the text message, right? I I mean, it definitely felt awkward when Nathan and Issa first got there because they were trying to navigate, right? They were trying to navigate whether um, they were going to stay. And, you know, it was clear that Andrew was kind of pushing for this encounter because I guess he thought, okay, if they can just spend time with one another and see how much they enjoy each other's company, maybe they can kind of be on the road to recovery. And clearly... Molly went along. Timing all around. Well, yeah. Molly and Andrew were getting into a conversation that definitely needed to happen, and that energy, plus the energy of Issa and Nathan, who just had a conversation Mm. and were in a completely different energy. I'm like, those two energies don't belong in the same space together. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then trying to use one energy to fix the other, I was just like, okay, (laughs) because I was like, Molly is off with Andrew. Molly is off with Issa, and now we're supposed to sit down and commune with one another. The only people that are on board with each other are the other people. Or uh, Nathan and Andrew, uh-huh. basically. Yeah. They're the only ones that have, there's no beef. Mm-hmm. Which means that the only neutral party in the whole space is Nathan. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So yeah, I didn't even read it that way, but I can see your perspective now that you say that. Um, because to me, it felt like they were like having an okay time. Now, I definitely didn't think that this meant they were going to be like going on all these double dates together and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it did feel like, okay, they are making a little bit of progress and can kind of be in the same room with one another. Mm. Yeah, but clearly we saw that that was not the case. Yeah. And I think for me that it fell off because I... Possibly because I was already thinking about the fact that Molly still does not think that she was wrong. And the conversation that she was having 
versus the conversation Issa was having after their initial brunch together. I'm like, Issa is thinking that things are okay. Mm-hmm. Molly is thinking that they are absolutely not okay. Yeah. So I'm still moving in that energy. And I'm just like, yeah, this whole thing feels forced and contrived. And it feels like a front on Molly's part to not be honest about the fact that she's not feeling it. Where for Issa, she may be feeling it, but she should also feel that something about it is off because mm-hmm. she knows Molly. She's yeah. been around Molly for years and years and years. I'm looking like this whole conversation is off. Y'all got to reminisce about so going far back because you've got nothing going for you right now. Mm. So, you know, I had to go back, right? Because I think in one of our earlier conversations, I was like, what happened here? Like, where did they get off track? And so it feels like maybe the beginning of this was at the end of last season when Molly did not tell Issa that Nathan came by the apartment for her birthday. And so you see then, and Molly is talking about like all the issues she's having at work. And so you see Issa challenge her like, girl, what's going on with you? Like you've really been clowning for several weeks. Like you got all of this bad energy towards Nathan. You know, you got issues with people at work. Like what is really going on? And so it doesn't feel like they Sounds ever like really You're the resolved. common denominator. So yes. What's up? It, doesn't, it doesn't feel like they ever really resolved that. And so then it feels like we continued with that into this season until clearly now we have had yet another blow up. Not as big as the, the block party or not as much energy, but still equally as sad, I think. You know, now that you mentioned la- that ending of last season and Issa's confrontation of, like, that that just, to me, it throws things in a completely different light. Because I'm like, okay, now, with that in mind, it makes sense then that Molly is on some, nah, she home, this thing that she does is homegrown, nah, to, to sort of put herself back in the position that she felt that she was in. Or that she should be in. Because it's like, well, how you, how you Miss Messy gonna call me out? Mm-hmm. It's like, and no, I feel like, I feel like we were, well, I feel like I was a little misled because when we saw this season open, they were doing the self-care Sunday thing, right? But mm-hmm. we now know that they had kind of just, again, like patched over this confrontation that they had at the end of last season and had never mm-hmm. actually gone back to, to really working that out. And now from there to here. To, to here. <laughs> so we see this scene in Andrew goes to get another bottle of wine out of the refrigerator. And Molly picks up her phone to send a text that she thought she was sending to Andrew. And clearly it is. This is why drinking and texting. Ooh, you got to be more careful. I need everybody from here on in double check. <laughs> Anyone that you think you sending a text message to after you done typed it, check again to make sure you're sending it to the right person. You do not want your dick pic to go to your mom. <laughs> you do not want your nude to go to your sister. So make sure that you, you check and double yes. check. Check twice. To make sure that we no longer have these type of mishaps with the thumbs. These 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 drunk thumbs text the yes. wrong person every time. Yes. So she she opens the message and it says, see, I'm trying with her. It's interesting that Molly even felt like she needed to send that message in the moment because it's like, could y'all not have just talked about that like once they, left? they left? Yeah. So like the urgency of, of feeling like she needed to like say that to Andrew, I think was interesting. You know what? 
Thank you for bringing that up because you, <laughs> because it sort of reminded me like the same way that Andrew is having to state the unnecessary of I'm on your side, Molly. Mm-hmm. The unnecessary mm-hmm. piece of needing to state, see, I'm trying. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to do with the fact that Andrew has been confronting her mm-hmm. about the fact that she does miss her friend, but she, and also calling her out on not trying. Like you're yeah. not really trying to fix nothing. You yeah. say you want it fixed, but then you're not acting like you want it fixed. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing that her therapist said. Mm, look at like this you want things, circle. You want things fixed? No, you don't want things fixed. You want people to come back crawling to you with apologies on their lips to place you back on the pedestal that you think you belong while they worship at your feet. That's mm. what you want. Wow. You want people to be forever contrite for how they've wronged you. That does feel like it is. That's a part of it. Now that you say that, right, like that, even if somebody apologizes, even if, you know, they do the thing that you say they want, that you want, like, are they ever really forgiven? hmm Yeah. Or are we still punishing them? Mm-hmm. Having them to prove forward. themselves to you. Exactly. And this yeah. feels like I'm going to keep punishing her. So she's got to prove herself to me with everything that she's got. Mm-hmm. And what she's got right now is not enough for me. Yes. But I want you to see that I'm trying so that you can stop calling me out on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want your confrontation. I don't want you to keep calling me in because it makes me it makes me feel something. I think it makes it feel some type of way. Maybe a little bit guilty. Mm. Maybe it, it's a little bit more of a self-reflective moment. And she starts seeing how she has contributed from consistently being called in by Andrew about how she has been behaving in this space. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, Issa is upset at this text message that, you know, she's like, oh, I don't think you meant to send this to me. She runs out of the house and Molly chases after her. And so they have this conversation on the steps about, you know, I thought that we were trying to get this back on track. Molly says, you know, stuff has been off track for a lot, a long time. We didn't even talk about the block party. Like, we have not been in the same place in this relationship for a long time. And so she says, maybe who I am now and who you are now are just a, not a good fit for one another. And then you know Issa, she didn't mean it. When she well, said clearly, it. right. And then Issa's like, okay, so this is where I want to talk about this testing behavior. I don't think that Issa was on testing behavior. No, I'm saying Molly was testing Issa. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I yes. was like, that trifling be- if you try it somebody will call your bluff and yes. you are not a good poker player yeah like don't do that if you do not mean it do not do it it's yeah. the same way that like you know dr ajetta on occasion you know, <laughs> she'd be talking about something like you could go ahead call call, call your cable company and see if they'll lower that bill and tell them you're gonna leave uh-huh. actually be prepared to leave though yes you yes. can't make a half a threat you have to mean it yes. so i'm looking like so here she is trying to be like trying to force what she has not been doing so being in that position of being contrite mm-hmm. of being of being apologetic and of in some way or shape or form begging for forgiveness saying that no i want you to be in my life which makes me wonder about what her core, uh, what sort of core message that Molly has for herself, if she needs people to constantly basically reassure her that they want her 
it makes me wonder if she has a core message in herself that she is not wanted or that she's, you know, that she's unwanted or unlovable and needs consistent reconfirmation from people, especially through how they act when they have wronged her. Mm. Yeah, it definitely feels like something is going on there because I do think, like you've mentioned, anytime you get into a situation where you are trying to give someone basically an ultimatum or a threat like that, you really have kind of cornered yourself, right? Because if you get the reaction that you want, which is for her to say, oh my gosh, please no Molly, like that kind of thing, then you have to, you have to keep that same energy throughout the relationship, right? So how many tests are there going to be every time there is a, a tension or a rupture in the relationship? Or the person says like Issa did, like, okay, I, I see what you're saying. I'm not going to fight you. And then you're left feeling like, so now this this whole self-fulfilling prophecy of nobody wants to be in relationship with me or maybe I'm too mm-hmm. much or whatever, now you've proven that right. Yep. Yeah. Like self-fulfilling prophecy. Go ahead and reconfirm with how people behave. Yeah. Go ahead and punish people according to how you felt that they've wronged you. You are going to lose at some point. Somebody will call your bluff. And her bluff got called. Mm-hmm. And Specifically, it didn't get called exactly in the way that even I think Molly was expected. Yeah. Um, because if you look at Issa's face, I was like, go ahead, girl, go and act your butt off. <laughs> Her whole, I was like, the, like the, like it, you could almost watch her going through the change curve, right? Kubler Ross got thinking about Kubler Ross and the and the um, the various stages, you know, denial, grief, acceptance. Mm-hmm. She went. It's like her whole face went through all of that before she just said, "Okay, yeah." Like I respect that this is where you are, and I'm willing to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but see, I kind of read that as exhaustion. Right. Like that she feels like she has done all this. Now, granted, she has not really put the issue on the table. She has not done that. But it does feel like at least she thinks that she has made all of these efforts to try to get them back on track. And none of it Mm -hmm. has clearly been well received by Molly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just like, well, it's almost like, well, if Molly doesn't think that she owes an apology and thinks I'm the only one that owes an apology, what really here has changed? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What more does she want from me? Right. Because I can't return to that person, especially when I, it's almost like a, I'm looking around at my other relationships and the value that I receive from them and the value that they say that they receive from me, that this, these are reciprocal relationships that are able to grow with me, mm-hmm. not regress me back to who I was. And I think that that part is really important, you know, to get back into my business on occasion. This is <laughs> one of those occasions. I had to deal with my own stuff, right? Like I've, I've changed a lot since, you know, elementary, middle school, whatever, but I had a friend that I've literally known her my entire life. I do not know a time where I did not know her. But when we would first get back together, I'm just like, you know, this feels off. I, I, could, I had to learn to find my voice when I was in her presence. Because all of our lives, it was always her first, me second. Her speak first, me speak second. 
Mm-hmm. Her be the president, me be the vice president. Her, you know, it's like she came first, I came after. There was not necessarily equal ground. It was she's the leader and I'm the follower. And now we are different people than who we were back then. But I regressed to who I was when I was then, when I was in her presence, because I knew my role. This was my role with her. I did not know how to reconcile the who I am now with who she is now. Yeah. And so we fall back into these patterns. You know, you try to pick up where you left off, but sometimes we forget that where we left off is so far in the past that it doesn't match who we are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and don't even know how to get back to that place. Exactly. Yeah. And in some ways, Molly has progressed. Like, let's not forget her growth. She has grown mm-hmm. with this relationship. She has not. Yeah. And in some ways, she's unwilling to really do the work that is required of her to make all the things come full force right here, right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, thinking back to the conversation with her therapist, where she's talking about how much work it is, I think that there is so much work to do in terms of her self-awareness that she only really feels like she can do work in one relationship. And right now that work is with Andrew. And so it is not looking like right she now, can kind of needs to be with her. <laughs> well, yes. But <laughs> I think she's focused on like, how can I make improvements in this relationship? And not thinking that some of those skills are actually transferable. Like some of the same mishaps she's having in her relationship with Andrew are the same things that are happening in her relationship with Issa. Go on tell them about these transferable skills. <laughs> I just try to tell people like, like, all right, so like sex wise or sex therapy wise, I'm like, I ask people about the skills they use at work all the time. At work, you do a lot of stuff to prepare just to be in the space. You 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 do your hair, you make sure that your clothes are clean, you wash your body, you lotion your body, you get dressed, you give yourself enough space and time to get there. You might even start off slow with work so that you can ease into the work day. And for some people, we like to hit the ground running. Either way, there's preparation that happens before. Meanwhile, we don't put the same level of effort into our sex lives. Mm. We don't prepare ourselves. We don't, we don't fashion ourselves. We just think that because maybe we live with our partner that sex is guaranteed at any time and that you don't actually have to do any preparation. The same way that we would do preparation at work. I'm like, if you don't transfer them skills, <laughs> like you know how to, you know how to ease somebody into where you are. You know how to try to convince a boss about a raise that you want. You do a lot of pre-work. Same thing with sex. Where's your pre-work? Mm-hmm. And with this, I'm just like, the level of effort that you are putting into maintaining this relationship with Andrew, your willingness to have tough conversations, your willingness to confront yourself and be in therapy as needed. Mm-hmm. Where was this energy with Issa? Yeah, because I do think it's telling that it wasn't the blow up at the block party that like sent her to therapy. She did not recognize the need to go back to therapy until she was on the vacation with Andrew. She's not saying how all these things are connected. Yeah. That she ends up being the common denominator in Mm -hmm. all these spaces. Yes. Yes. And that's kind of sad. And where the work needs to happen, right? And I feel like that's what Dr. Rhonda was trying to get her to kind of pay attention to. Dr. Rhonda going to have to be a little (laughs) less subtle. And I'm saying that because she already has subtle in Andrew. I think that every now and then 
a therapist needs mm-hmm. to rip that band-aid off. Yeah. Well, I do not, think we have to pay attention to, to <laughs> pay attention to the fact that this is like her first session back after not being there for some time. So she's probably still trying to assess like, okay, how far can I push her now that she's re-engaged with therapy? True. Would be my guess. I have been known to make people cry in session one. <laughs> It is a blessing and a skill because I just be like, oh, so this is what you're saying. And they be like, oh, when you say it like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, well, you therapy is not polite conversation. And I didn't come here so you could waste your time or money. Time is your most precious commodity. And I won't have you wasted. Not with me. So I'm going to say the thing. I'll say it gently, especially in a first session. I'll be very gentle with you, but I'm not going to hold it just because, you know? So I'm just like, I like that, you know, she, she did try to hold her accountable. She did try to, to move her in that space. Molly was unwilling to see or go. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's probably a moment where I'm like, okay, let's, let's move you into different shoes. Let's move you to a different position. Let's try to consider all the angles, all the things that are at play here. And maybe that helps, but I'm just like, at this point, Molly is on the verge of losing the relationship with Andrew, losing the relationship with Issa. And we don't even know what, uh, what things have been like at work for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that the last thing we saw is her yelling at her secretary. Yes. Yes. You're right. You're right. Yeah. There was already tension there because she's still trying to figure out a good, you know, relationship with Torian after Mm -hmm. she kind of damaged that relationship last season. So we know there's still some tension at work for sure. So then there's a lot of work to be done. And for me, this is an emergency. Yeah. So we did get a question, and I think it is a perfect tie-in to your statement about the roles that you and your friend played. So Barry, who is the genius behind the podcast directory, Podcast in Color. So she is a faithful OG member of the Therapy for Black Girls community. Hey. So she said, if Dr. Donna is coming back, I have a question that I want y'all to address. And it is a, a great question. So she says, (laughs) she says, we all talk a lot about the strong friend. And in this dynamic of the four friends, it seems like until now, Molly was the strong friend. Good job. Come through when asked to all of the events. But what about when the strong friend doesn't know how to be vulnerable because they've always stayed in the strong friend place? They don't want advice. They give it even though they call people users because they don't have the space to be vulnerable in return. Mm. Right? Mm. Right? Don't take us to church. <laughs> I like that. Right. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's funny. This, this takes me back. Mm-hmm. This takes me back a little over a year ago. I recorded my first If Therapy Walls Could Talk video. I didn't call it then, that back then. but. It was called Fuck It, I'll Do It. It's still (laughs) on my Instagram today. And it came about because there I am sitting in therapy, hearing somebody talk about some, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about doing this, but then I was just like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. And I was like, yeah, does that serve you? Mm -hmm. And how often we move in Fuck It, I'll Do It Mm -hmm. because we don't, we don't, we're just like, well, they're not going to do it right. Yes. It's going to take them too long. I need it done like this. I need it yes. done like this. And right now, and I'm just like, you don't make room 
for anybody to help you, but then you complain that people don't help you. Mm -hmm. How can you make room for the people who love you to be of actual support to you? How can you articulate what it is that you want, what it is you need, the steps that you need done, and when you need it done by? Because the thing is, most people in your life are willing to help, but you haven't said anything. That has been a lesson that I have been contending with all year so far this year. We are only in June. We halfway. Mm-hmm. And it is a constant thing that comes up, even for me, because I don't want to be a bother. Or I don't, I don't, oh, I know that they got their own thing going on. Mm-hmm. So instead, you take away their choice to decide what they are able to do for you because you have decided they can't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that really kind of feels like a a throwback to our earlier conversation about the self-fulfilling prophecy and her testing Issa, like, is she going to fight for me, right? So if she has made it up in her mind that they can't be there for me in the ways that I need, or I don't trust that they will be there for me in the same ways that I am because of some other thing, right? Nothing related to evidence, because if we write it out and look at, okay, have people actually been there for you? Likely you will be able to see that they have, but in Mm -hmm. your mind, you are- confirmation. Yes, you are connected to the idea. She just said, okay, she's not- She's not even going to fight for me. My dad is not even going to fight for me. Mm -hmm. These people are not, drove not even going to fight for me. Mm -hmm. Nobody fights for me. Nobody Mm -hmm. really wants me there. That thing Mm -hmm. becomes a Mm self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. And we haven't necessarily seen enough about her childhood and her relationship with her parents to know for sure, but that is how she's behaving. She Mm -hmm. has some message, like you said, about, who she is in relationship to other people where she's always looking for people to affirm her and, and trying to test out whether people are really going to fight for her. Yeah. And yes, of course, pure speculation. Cause right. I have no idea. What she we, don't know. we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We can only go about what we've seen, but just that piece of it. I'm just like, yes, that part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That part. And I know for a lot of my friends, I have been the strong friend, the together friend, the know what I'm doing friend, the one that is most planned. I am all into goal planning that the thing looks ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I know that there is there's growth for me in vulnerability and being able to ask people for help or to ask for the thing that I, I, I want or need. Yeah. Like one of my friends, I was, I've, now this is silly. I want to I want to preface it by saying I know it's silly. <laughs> but I was like, hey, I follow you on social media. You don't follow me on social media. Mm. And I was feeling a way about it and then felt like I couldn't say anything about it. And I was like, and what does that mean about our friendship? Mm-hmm. If I can't even say something, even if it is silly, if I can't bring it up, right. if it's silly and I can't bring it up, then what, what does that say? Am I not willing to be in a space of vulnerability to just ask? Yeah. So I asked. And you know what happened? Hmm. They followed me back. <laughs> so and on top of that, they want. said thank you. Mm-hmm. They said to me, thank you for staying. They said never apologize to me for saying, for telling me what you need mm-hmm. in any moment. I am mm-hmm. happy that you told me. Yeah. And I was just like, well, look at that. And I've noticed that I've been getting that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of my friends, 
I said that I would do goal planning with him and his wife. And mm. I was I was more than willing to do it. But then a bunch of stuff hit the fan all at once. And mm. my schedule looked like boo-boo. <laughs> and I just wasn't feeling it. And I, I was like, I'm so sorry, but I just can't. Like, all this stuff came up and I'm really tired. Mm-hmm. And he said, don't apologize. Thank you for telling me that you are tired. Let's reschedule for a time that works best for both of us. Mm-hmm. These, I'm just like, I got some dope friends. Yeah. yeah where you but can that, say this type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's even you, happens. Joy. Yes. Even yes. you. I ask mm-hmm. you for things and you just be like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and right. I, I, meanwhile, you don't know that I just spent two days <laughs> contemplating the thing, rocking back and forth, telling my partner, like, no, <laughs> no, that's not nice. I can't ask for that type of thing. <gasps> <laughs> meanwhile you just be like yeah okay here you go here you go and yes and this is also part of trusting the people in your life to give you an honest answer about what they're able to do in any given moment mm-hmm. and being okay with the fact that yeah they might say no and I asked a friend to share a, a article I wrote and she was just like sorry sweetie no I can't read this, which means I can't share it. Mm. I can't comment on it. I can't do any of that stuff Mm -hmm. because I'm not in the space. I'm not in the mental space to read this thing right now. Mm -hmm. And I said, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for telling me that. I'm like, I'm not going to be, I'm writing about how police brutality is related to colorism. Yeah. I know this stuff is heavy. We've been Mm -hmm. living in heavy. Right. So to hear back like, hey, this is too heavy for me right now. I was just like, I appreciate you. Thank you for telling me that this is not something that you can talk about or share right now. I appreciate that. So if you're the strong friend, stop it. Hmm. Yeah, because I think the other thing, you know, I think sometimes when people really get invested in this identity as a strong friend, it's really hard to shake it. Right. And I think underneath that a lot of times is is a lot of insecurity and a lot of what's going to happen if I'm not the strong friend? Does this group still need me? And so then you get really caught up in wanting to maintain that identity as a strong friend because you're worried that the, that the group is going to fall apart or there will be no place for you if you're not that person. And I'm just wondering, how would you actually help your friends to be better equipped to help themselves by stopping being the strong friend? Mm. Yes, because sometimes we know that that crosses over into enabling. Exactly. It makes yeah. me actually think of um, Mike Michalowicz. Um, What's that book called? Clockwork. Mm. And how he talks about like, like, I don't know how many people have seen, uh, what's the name of that daggone movie? Oh, Megamind. So like the, the superhero, you know, he fakes his death, he goes away. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, but is this, this movie a cartoon? Is from like, yes, and this okay. movie is from like 2007, <laughs> 8, 9. So I'm like, we're in 2020. If you ain't seen it, my bad. <laughs> You're right. You probably won't. <laughs> At this point, you should have. Um, but like, just, you know, he 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 decided he faked his death because he was, he was tired of constantly saving people because they make no moves on their own. They mm-hmm. see the thing about to hit them and stand there and scream, make no moves. Meanwhile, when he went away, the people started to actually do some work to save mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. How about that? What a novel what would idea. Happen if you stop swooping in like Superman, mm-hmm. how many people would actually do some work to do some saving of themselves and other people? And how, you. How would, exactly. Yes. You would be able to c- 
create a web of strength between all of you where you're all able to use your strengths to fortify each other. Yes. Because your strengths are going to be in different places. Mm -hmm. No one needs that one strong friend that solves everybody's problems. That's draining for the strong friend and enabling for the other ones. Yes. Yes. Come on and wrap up with that good word. Thank you so much for that question, Barry. Perfect tie-in for this episode. Okay, so quickly, our predictions for our season finale next week. Then I'm going to (laughs) cry. You're going to cry. Okay, so what do we think happens between Molly and Andrew? They break up. You think they break up next week? I think they're going to take a break. I think that it might be a real tough conversation where it's just like, Andrew's just going to be like, I don't think you're here. Uh, okay. Okay. So we think there's a, a tough conversation on the heels for them. I'm hoping I think, not. I don't know that that's going to happen next week. I definitely feel like we will see some of that, but I don't know if it happens next week. Okay. So for Issa and Molly, what do you think? I feel like we're not really going to see anything between Issa and Molly. Like, I feel like no. this week was the closure button on Issa and Molly, at least for this season. Yep. I think that we're going to, the only place we're going to see Issa and Molly is together in therapy when Molly's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe a therapy scene next week. All right. What about yeah. Issa and Lawrence? Mm, I think that Lawrence is getting a job in San Francisco. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And y'all heard me say I'm still kind of holding out one eye open for what's going to happen <laughs> with Condola because I do not feel like we've really seen the last of her. <laughs> <laughs> she might be pregnant. <laughs> or she's going to do something. It feels I don't feel like we have really closed the door on this situation with Condola. Nah, and she might be moving to San Francisco listen, too. Maybe she okay. wants her rice around me. So there was a moment, and I feel like this is just me watching too much foolish TV. There was a moment when he was on the phone with Issa from San Francisco. I'm like, is Condola there with him? <laughs> There's no evidence for that besides me watching too much Lifetime TV. <laughs> I mean, like now you done put it out in the ether. I'm like, bring it back, bring it back. I don't know. It just feels, better it just, not be there with him. I don't really think she is, but it just feels like there is not a real closed door there. So I feel like we still are going to see her pop up. And then I'm finally, more worried about if oh, he chooses to turn down the job to be with Issa mm. and how that might create tension and uh, just mm. resentment that he mm. did not take an opportunity that he really wanted. Interesting. You're right. You're right. How far is LA in San Francisco? Apparently, it is a one-hour flight. Oh! But considering Rona... <laughs> well, clearly, but they're not living in a Rona world. They're not living in a Rona world at all. <laughs> so at if it's all. a one-hour flight, it's probably what? Like between six and eight hours drive time, I'm guessing? Oh, Jesus. I don't know. That's a whole day. That's a job. And what I'm just thinking, like, it's one hour for me to, to fly from Atlanta to New Orleans. And so, but the drive would be like seven or eight hours. So I'm thinking maybe the same kind of thing. But if it's that close of a flight, then it does feel like there would be maybe some opportunity for them to work it out long distance. If he does, if they decide to stay together and if he moves to San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Because the way they're talking, right? Like the fact that they have not clearly decided like what this is. I don't hear either of them feeling hesitant about like, okay, what happens if you move to San Francisco and we're trying to work this thing out? 
I think they, if he moves to San Francisco, I don't think they're going to try it long distance. You don't think so? Okay. Mm -hmm. But I agree. I do agree that he is moving to San Francisco. I think that's what's going to happen with him. So I don't quite know what's going to happen with Issa Lawrence, but I do feel like Lawrence is going to San Francisco. I'm like, congratulations on your job. (laughs) And then finally, what about Nathan and Issa? Oh, I think that Nathan still has feelings for Issa. Well, we saw that. So in the preview of next week, we see him say, you know, I don't want to regret not telling you exactly how I feel. I think that that's going to happen probably maybe before Lauren says, I got the job. Mm -hmm. Um, And that will create a conundrum for Mm -hmm. this Issa. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I I do like them together. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I do. You do. I don't, I don't know. I, I think I can appreciate the level of honesty and vulnerability that it takes for you to say that you like somebody even though they done told you that they be with somebody else. Well, so, it kind of I mean, feels like the same thing she did with, with Lawrence, right? Like he was going over to Condola and she was like, what if I don't want to go home? So it, it really feels like there are a lot of parallel processes between these characters these, this season. That's because they're so communicative. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody is so transparent. Talking except Molly, except Molly. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't quite know. Like I don't necessarily love Nathan and Issa together, but I'm not opposed to them together. Um, Mostly want them to be friends um, because I feel like they do do a lot for each other. I mean, really inspired her to move forward with her own vision and to be strong in that vision. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he has to have a lot of the credit for like the growth we've seen in her this season yeah 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 so we'll we'll kind of keep our eyes open there so at the end of the sneak peek we see her saying hey to somebody who do you think that is it better be her brother no it's not her brother what's up (laughs) no it was clearly like a like a heavy hey like a hey yeah well maybe maybe they're gonna bring back dude from season two daniel yeah. Oh, I like Daniel. Oh, no. That would be too shady. I You're feel right. like that would be way too, <laughs> way too out of left field. Yeah. And so I like have tried to rewind that clip to see like, do I recognize the background of like where they are? But I can't tell if it's like you, a you, restaurant. You're really trying to go ahead, private eye, trying to see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if I have a guess about who it is. I don't think it's Molly. I think that they would like us to think that it's Molly, but I don't actually think it's Molly. Maybe it's Kelly? Tiffany? Kelly? Why would it be a, a, an awkward thing with them? You said earlier tonight that you thought it was Condola. I'm hoping it's not. Listen, that I, don't, would... I don't need no drama. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know they're gonna give us some because this is the season finale. So yeah, it's gonna be something us hanging for a whole, hopefully just a year this time. Well, I don't know. I mean, given everything with Rona, we don't know oh, how Rona. safe it will be for them to record at any. I mean, point well, soon. they can record on Zoom. Oh goodness, no! <laughs> then it it feels like all the beautiful shots and cinematography that we love so much we would be robbed of. So we might have to wait. Copy paste. <laughs> think so i don't think so yeah probably not probably not but yeah i don't you know i really don't know but i'm nervous about the whole thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm just i mean i might be live tweeting while i watch it (laughs) 
Like, hold on. Well, we might be live tweeting, but we definitely will be back to do our recap of the season finale. So if there are questions that you have for Donna and I um, that you want, like Barry sent in, definitely send them to us. You can email them to us at podcast at therapyforblackgirls.com or you can slide them into our DMs um, and we will try to answer any of them. You know, probably lots of them will be just answered in our general conversations. But if there's something that you want to make sure that we touch on in our finale recap next week, then definitely send those to us. If you slide into my DMs, you better put TFBG on there. <laughs> so I know exactly what you're talking about because people, people slide in my DMs with all kinds of questions. Yes, clearly, clearly label it to let us know that it's something <laughs> that you want to have on the podcast. <laughs> Ooh, we just gonna hope for the best. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna hope gonna for the be best. We're gonna hope that we are not left in tears next week and that it maybe is. everyone will kiss and make up. I doubt that. I doubt that, but maybe it will not be as traumatic as we're maybe thinking it will be. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad Dr. Oriola was able to join us again this week. Don't forget to check out the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 159 for links to our previous three conversations about Insecure or to grab your copy of her book, Cocoa Butter and Hair Grease. And please share your takeaways and season finale predictions with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Don't forget to share this episode with the other Insecure fans in your life. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com directory. And if you want to continue digging into this episode and meet some other sisters in your area, come on over and join us in the Yellow Couch Collective, where we take a deeper dive into the topics from the podcast and just about everything else. You can join us at therapyforblackgirls.com YCC. Don't forget to show some love to our sponsor this week by checking out Freedom at the Mat on YouTube or going to storyworth.com slash TBG to grab $10 off your purchase. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? 
Enter Conair Girl Bomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.